No more spoiler alert. Don't want to get too far into it. Let's read God's Word. 2 Kings, chapter 5, the first 14 verses. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Now the Syrians, on one of their raids, had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, Would that my lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his lord, Thus and spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you Naaman my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes and sent to the king, saying, why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me, that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry and went away, saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the place, and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Parpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. But his servants came near and said to him, My father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, Wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. May God bless to us this morning the reading and understanding of his holy word. So I entitled this message, The Path of Humility. And I'm sure you understand that I'm not going to propose to you some sort of 12-step plan. Uh, 
there is no sort of 12-step plan to humility. It's one of these things that's really kind of elusive to us. As I mentioned earlier, we all want to seek it, but we think, oh, if I'm humble, then we automatically, by default, somehow lost it. And so it's one of these things, um, I don't know about you, but that, that I personally wrestled with. Because it's really not much of a virtue in our society. We're taught to be proud about everything. We're taught to be proud about our ethnicity. We're taught to be proud about our accomplishments. We're taught to be proud about our gender identification. Give me something that we're not taught to be proud about in our flesh. And so, so we're, we're also fighting the, the, the wave of, of society as we come to this topic. But as we come to this passage, there's some really just fascinating dynamics. And we can look at it from different angles. But I would suggest to you that the, the angle that it's asking us to look at is that angle of humility. But let's look at this narrative just a little bit and, and, and consider some of the dynamics. And we'll do this by even looking at, at some of the characters. First, of course, we have uh, Naaman. Naaman, it, 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 it gives a, a pretty good resume for him, starting off here. You know, he, he was what? A great man with his master, high favored. The Lord had given him victory. This is a man of status. This is a man of, of importance uh, in, in, his, in his nation. And then we come across those three little letters. But he had all of this going for him, but he was a leper. And this was the one, no pun intended, the one blemish on his resume that kept him from just being the cream of the crop. He was good. He was great. But he had this flaw. And obviously it bothered him. And so there's Naaman. Some would say that one of the chief characters of, of this uh, story. But in a little bit I'll get to, to really who were the, the chief characters. Next we have also, uh, we have... Now come back. We have the king of Syria and the king of Israel. So Naaman hears about the prophet in uh, in Israel, and and this prophet has has powers, and so he wants he wants this blemish removed. So he goes to his, the king, uh, uh, and the king then does what, you know, you might say protocol would have. He's like, all right, you're my man. I'll, I'm going to grant you this favor. I'm going to send you this letter, and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it the path smooth for you as you go. And, and, and so he sends this letter, and he sends these, these gifts and everything like that. And, and kings relate to kings, right? They don't relate to to uh, uh, the, to the prophet. So so uh, the, the message goes to the king. 
and, and the king of Syria is saying, I'm expecting you to do this for my man Naaman. Well, obviously the king of Israel just says, I've just been set up for failure. I, I have just been given mission impossible uh, without the team. And he says, I can't do this. What am I supposed to do? Rends his garments and so on. So we have the political drama going on as well as the personal drama. And, 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 and this is what, what I kind of love about this passage. Uh, I, I was, uh, enjoy history. And and when you when you're studying history, it's 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 like a, a, a telescopic lens, right? So so you it takes you where you want to see the big picture, but really it's things that are going on in individuals' lives as well at, that that matters. And so you have all of this this stuff going on at once. And so you have personally what's going on with Naaman, but now you have political drama at the national level. Um, but that's not just it, because now it's going to filter down to what's happening religiously in the nation. And so there are just some fascinating dynamics, and we have the man, Elisha, that's going to come. And so we have Naaman, we have the kings of Israel, the kings of Syria, and Elisha. But I'd suggest to you that the main characters in this passage have no name. Oh, because it just happened to be in one of the raids that a girl, a little maidservant, was taken out of the land of Syria, Israel into Syria. We have no idea about who she was. She's, she's just a, a footnote, you might say. Now, the Syrians, on one of their raids of many, maybe not even a raid of any historical significance on the big national level, had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel. Oh, and she just happens to mention something that ripples in, up to Naaman. Oh, that if my master just knew about this prophet in Israel, he could be cured. And this little girl sets off this chain of events in which the ones that we look at as the main characters, the great people, Naaman, the kings, are really just the palms that are being moved about here, that are being triggered by a little maiden who just mentions about a prophet. So, this little girl, who the scriptures don't mention by name, has now set off this chain of events in which, which, again, there's religious and political and national tension. Naaman comes, he follows the protocol, and because, hey, it, it, this, is, this is not necessarily arrogance on Naaman's part, but this is just 
which you expect in protocol when an important person from that one nation goes to another nation. They bring gifts and they're expected to be received and treated with a certain level of respect and dignity. Now this is where you gotta love Elisha uh, and, and, and his working with the human dynamic here. So, so what does Elisha do? Uh, when, when Naaman actually comes to him, he sends a messenger. So, so, so this is this is uh, you know the president of, of, of a country coming. Well, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna make a special uh, trip to the religious center in town uh, to talk to the. He would at least I think he would get the highest religious leader around, but he sends out an aide to talk to him. I mean, that's a slap in the face. So the first step, the first slap, is that he's not even met with proper courtesy or dignity. The second is that he's given a, a task is just beneath it. I mean, my goodness. There's so many better rivers in Syria. And there probably are. I mean, but, but again, so this is just kind of really normal human behavior, though, is it not? When our pride is attacked, don't we have the sense to respond the same way Naaman did? Really? I'm asked to do this? I shouldn't have to do that. And who again becomes the heroes of the story? But servants who come out to reason with him. Naaman, you came, you came here for one reason, right? Although I'm, I'm kind of familiarizing it. They, of course, were much more humble. Oh, Master, you, you came here to get healed, right? And the prophet has said you will be healed. He's, he's given you what you came for. Not in the package you wanted to receive it. But he's giving you that 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 pearl of great price that you want. You, he's giving you that blemish to be removed. He's offering you healing. And it almost slips away. It almost slips away because of his pride. But then again, people who aren't even mentioned. We don't we don't know their names. Servants come and suggest we've come all this way. He's he's putting it out right in front of you. Is it too hard just to do to do this? Proverbs is is one of my favorite books. Um, a few years back. I decided uh, that Proverbs was going to be my 
my book for the year. I, uh, and so I, I, I did several different things with it uh, because it's it's hard book just to read right through. Uh, but I, I just read it through several times and then I go through it slowly and then I, I do different things. And um, I, I became a big fan of, of just the Proverbs. Proverbs 11, verse 2 says this. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. Isn't it fascinating the way God does things? Who are the wisest people in this narrative? I would suggest to you the wisest people is this little maidservant and these other servants of Naaman. For in their humble state, they offer just a couple of suggestions, but they are words of wisdom to healing. So, what was it about this that was so significant, though? I wanted us to look at the narrative just to see just, just the dynamics of the people and how God works through the ways and people we least expect. Which really should just say, you know, be a thing like open our eyes to listen. I just thought about what. How about we open our ears to listen and our eyes to see that it's not about us. What was it that I, Elisha said? Elisha said to the king of Israel, bring him down so that they will know there is a God. All of these individuals have their own agendas. Naaman had his agenda. The king of Israel, the king of Syria, maybe had their agenda. But really, there's only one agenda that matters. And that is surely to know that there is a God in Israel. And for Naaman, his path was to realize it's not about me and what I want and what I expect. And so he had to be taught a little lesson in perspective. Once he was able to get this perspective, it led to obedience. And then this obedience led to healing.
you see that perspective, I'll go back now where I was talking about when I gave you the spoiler alert, really goes to our identity. If, if we get wrapped up in the identity of ourselves, we quickly lose perspective. If we ever get wrapped up into thinking it's about the accomplishments we make or earn or accomplish in life, the finances that we earn, the talent that we have, if we ever get too wrapped up in all of that, we're going to go down the same path as Naaman and get angry when we're asked to do some simple obedience. And we have to keep relearning this lesson over and over and over and over again. That it's not about us. It is not about us. And hopefully we'll listen to those words of wisdom in Scripture and from those that God brings into our path that, that will simply amaze and surprise us. Reminding us that there's a bigger picture about God. This is where the Philippians passage comes in as well. That the Lord Jesus Christ, being, being God, did not seek equality with God as something to be grasped. It was not, oh, I'm going to come down here in the form of human uh, flesh and, and impress people. But it was about, how can I serve my father? And it says it led him to obedience, even obedience to death on a cross. Where it will take us is only God's knowledge and in God's hands. But when we realize and get that perspective that it's not about us and we come to say Lord Jesus Christ you have taught me our Father who art in heaven how would be your name? Then we come to a point to where obedience is not a drudgery Obedience is not a, why do I have to do this? Obedience is, sure. Why not? Because it's not about me. I am pleased to do my Father's bidding. I am pleased to do what He wants. And in there, in God's way, we find peace, we find comfort. Naaman found healing from his leprosy. But it's by submitting ourselves, bending our knee, our obedience to Christ, to where we find a much better kind of healing, the healing of our soul. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this passage. 
we thank you that you are a God who is actively involved in the details of people's lives, which has ripple effects into all of life. It's fascinating on one level to see what you have done and accomplished. And then sometimes it's scary to see and realize what you want to accomplish in our own lives if we would just humble ourselves to be obedient to your ways. So Lord, forgive us when uh, we have those times of which we get full of ourselves, of which we get in our own way, and where pride so easily wants to entangle and weigh us down. Lord, free us to be obedient to your Son, in whose name I pray. Amen.